there's in good faith that they actually put this product on board. And that's what a lot about launching a brand is, is your relationships with people. Because you don't buy from companies, you buy from people. If you're enthusiastic, if you're enthusiastic and you're passionate, it's not going to be hard work. People all around the world love sport. From playing ball in the backyard through to the Olympic and Paralympic podiums, the majority of the world's population play, watch and enjoy sport. Steve Dart from Play Hard Sports gives listeners the chance to meet people from across the world of entertainment, sports and business who are affecting the way international sport is unfolding. So with the combination of technology, passion and great people wanting to tell their story, it gives rise to Play Hard Sports Behind the Games podcast. On this episode of Behind the Games, we speak to Alan Spadiger, marketing genius. In the early days of Red Bull, he was one of the main progressive persons in the market. Inspired by functional drinks from the Far East, Dietrich Manasich founded Red Bull in the mid-1980s. He created the formula of Red Bull Energy Drink and developed the unique marketing concept of Red Bull. In 1987, on April 1, Red Bull Energy Drink was sold for the very first time in its home market, Austria. This was not only the launch of a completely new product, in fact it was the birth of a totally new product category. Today, Red Bull is available in more than 169 countries, and around 60 billion cans of Red Bull have been consumed so far. Alan Spadiger was part of that phenomenal growth in the early years in Australia, and has gone on to work with leading South Australian wine producer, Amadio Wines. G'day Alan. How are you, Steve? Good to see you, mate. Did you like that intro? I do, I do, and uh, you were part of that uh, that uh, launch as well. Big all, part of it. All right. Launching a brand, mate, with no recognised category. What was it like when you first started? Um, oh, pretty exciting. Uh, there was a, uh, a good team and obviously a good philosophy that they um, put in place. So it's not like we were just making it up as we were going, and I have to say I probably... Um, learnt a lot about marketing, working with Red Bull Energy Drink, no doubt. And, and there's a lot of uh, um, techniques and information and sort of uh, how you convey and um, display your, your message um, that I'm using today with um, Amadio Wines and in between uh, with other brands as well that I've worked with. So, yeah. Great. Let's go back to those early days. What year did you start? And, um, and was, who, who was around at that time? Mate, there was no one. The product was not sold here in Australia. The category was um, well, it wasn't legal. Uh, the product came over here through the Trans uh, Tasman Mutual Agreement, which means if a product's legal in New Zealand, then you can bring it to Australia and legally sell it here. Mm. Uh, but still, there were some legalities in getting that, um, so the product couldn't be directly um, um, distributed here. So you had to send it to New Zealand, unpack it basically, and then send it over here. So it was a bit of a convoluted way to get into the country. But still, um, that's how a lot of products sort of uh, launch in here. Um, not saying that New Zealand's got sort of lax laws, just sort of the way it works. And then through the um, the lawyers that Red Bull had, obviously they created a, a category where um, create some legality for it as well. Um, and that was in September 1999 when I started. I actually um, uh, met met one of the guys, uh, Joseph Roberts, who was the Australasian. Um, he actually had the rights for it, and uh, we're purchasing the product from him directly. Um, because he couldn't sell it to the stores and uh, got introduced to it uh, a few years before that in the Netherlands. And um, just happened he's um, one of his uh, um, uh, persons that launched um, a part of New Zealand, came over into Queensland. Um, we caught up, 
just started chatting just like we are now. Uh, showed him around um, Brisbane when I was living down there. And um, through all my years in hospitality, um, he basically, uh, you know, um, brought me on board. So it was myself and Simon Wagg um, were the first guys in Queensland. And, uh, yeah, I sold the first can of Red Bull back there in September 99. Isn't that amazing? Was it a uh, as well-known internationally at that time? Like, were they waiting for it to come to Australia? How was it seen? No, most people, they'd seen the um, the brand before on um, a Red Bull Patronus. Um, it was in Formula One, but most Australians thought it was a, a car oil or something like that. They weren't aware that it was actually an energy drink. Um, obviously, that's changed a lot now. They've got their whole team and the products out there everywhere. So, um, but we used um, we used visuals basically. Um, you know, you had the pictures of all the things and all this data from other countries. So it was on trust and on um, our relationship that we already had, or I already had with some of these venues because I had worked in these venues as um, a, a whether it be a restaurant manager or a hotel manager, or a nightclub manager. Um, so is in good faith that they actually put this product on board. And that's what a lot about launching a brand is, is your relationships with people because you don't buy from companies, you buy from people. If you're enthusiastic, if you're enthusiastic and you're passionate, it's not going to be hard work. But to have that, that's an attitude, but you're also going to be representing a brand or a product or a company or a person or persons that you actually like and you believe in. Then it doesn't become hard work because then you do it with vigor. You get up every morning, and go. Oh, actually, I'm I'm happy to be working with these people or this product. And um, so I think choosing who you're going to work with or the product you're going to represent is the first step. So then the rest then flows on from that. And it doesn't become as hard work. So you don't have to hustle. You're not selling ice at Eskimos. You know, people talk about being a good salesperson. That's not a good salesperson. That's you know, you're selling something to somebody who doesn't really need it. As this is a uh, sports and business podcast. Sales and marketing in general, what was the link at Red Bull that made those so, the two categories so strong? Um, well, sales are all, it's, it's the people, okay? You're on the ground, basically you're knocking on doors and you're introducing a product. Um, now, how does marketing link, link with sales? I know these days a lot of times it can be separated even though there's an integral uh, link with them both. Really, marketing is just conveying what you have. Mate, really, really simply, that's it. I've got something and you wanna, I want to let you know what I've got and see if you're interested in it. Now, there's a lot of different ways to go about that, um, but the best point of sale or the best marketing is actually the product itself. And we just always go around with the can, cold, we talk about it, and we have that point of difference. Why? Well, why this? Why something smaller, 250 mils, and that was very unique back then, having a 250 mil can. Now everybody does it. So you had a small, and you had to charge, what, two, three times as much as any other product. So what is the point of difference? The point of difference was the functionality. And I think you find that with a lot of products, they don't have a functionality. Um, but there is a lot of products that do have a functionality. And you've got to find that functionality um, in your product. And obviously, in an energy drink, in an energy drink category, the functionality is giving you energy, giving you um, energy to stay awake, to exert yourself longer. Um, look, you know, if you go to bed early and you wake up early and you don't work too hard, you probably don't need it. But in this um, you know, busy lifestyle, whether you're studying, working, driving on the road, you know, you need something extra to help you. And in that regards, there's a functionality. And that was the difference for Red Bull. And in a 250ml can, you can't get a better product. So it was the number one. It was also the first in the world as well. So it's the first and the best, which, you know, and it had a big sort of backing and a, and a, a, a marketing philosophy uh, that hasn't changed. They took three years to formulate the product. So they really took their time based on the product. And I really like stressing the fact that anything you do, choosing what you like um, to represent, you know, do your homework on the actual product in the company. Um, and then you won't have to, you know, 
you're really not selling anything. What you're doing is you're educating people, and that's an education-based sales, and that's what I still do today is just educating people, whether it be about wine or communications when I worked with Optus, um, and people will make that decision. If you educate them, they'll feel empowered, and they'll probably choose to choose your product. Really well said. How important on that education slant is sampling back in the day at Red Bull? Oh, it was a huge part of it. Um, You just didn't give cans away. Um, You actually... You know, explained when to use it, why to use it, how to use it. Um, and then when they listened through all that, then they were offered a can of Red Bull. Um, so it felt like people had to, you know, you got your time with them to convey that message. And, um, and it was really strict on, on what you said and, and the message uh, for the message not to get diluted. Red Bull create their own events, mate. Why do they do that? Why do they need to be seen first into market and, and be the leaders of trends? Why is that with those guys? Um, Look, if you piggyback another another um, event, you can understand there'll be 20, 30 um, other suppliers, brands. So there'll be logos everywhere. Now, logos don't sell product. There's something we got taught years ago. Logos don't sell product. But in an event, when they're looking for sponsors, they'll go, well, I need this money um, and I'm going to put your logo here and there. Now, if you're the only logo, then... Your brand's not getting diluted there as well. But if you're one of 30 brands and you've all got a logo on the back page, the only people who look at that logo are actually the sponsors themselves. Yep. So um, with Red Bull, it's about actually owning your own vent. So you could actually have your own branding uh, and you can actually control the whole event as well. Um, but if you piggyback someone else's event, there might be something in that event, um, whether it be the, the service or the, the style or the logistics that might not sit in um, parallel to what your philosophy is. Um, and so that's it's the same reason they um, initially uh, they wouldn't sponsor teams. They would only sponsor an individual. Because an individual, you can sort of liken their personality and get to know them. With a team, there's so many facets. Um, and same thing with an event. Um, there's so many facets to that event. So if something goes wrong in that event, it can essentially be linked to you in some way. It can bring you down or can bring you up. But um, so... They, yeah, they decided to do their own events and do them sort of to the next level up as well. Wow, thanks for a great insight into a, a magical brand there. Okay, you continued on to uh, Amadio Wines. You've been involved with a lot of corporate events. One of the reasons I wanted to speak to you today is in regards to sponsorship of cor- corporate events. Let's talk about the Adelaide Clipsal 500. How did Amadio get into that? Okay, um, that's another one of the um, uh, sports that the uh, well Daniel Mario, uh, third generation, um, is really excited about. He used to race in the supercarts, and his kids now race in go karts as well. So it's a passion of his, and that's one of those things you're excited about the uh, the, the sport, the product, um, the event. Uh, you want to see how you get involved, and it's huge in South Australia. I mean, the Formula One used to be in South Australia in Adelaide. Now it's the Clipsal, which is the biggest um, race event in Australia. It's about 260, 280 thousand people go to that every year. So. Being a big um, Australian wine producer and, and obviously like racing, Daniel got involved with a bit of sponsorship a few years ago, um, whether it be um, uh, through uh, sponsoring the, the, the cars or um, as just assisting out in certain other ways. Obviously, he wanted to look at that as a whole, as an event. We used to do an individual athlete, Renee Gracie. We were, we were sponsoring her for about three years That's right. um, at her grassroots level um, when she was in with the uh, Porsche Carrera Cup. And then for a couple of years until she's gone into um, the Dunlop series, um, which is the developmental um, series for the uh, the V8s. So we were behind her for about three years, and she's based up here in Queensland. So that was uh, a first foray into sort of motorsports. Um, with any kind of sponsorship, you want to look at return of investment. 
So where do you get your return on investment? And you can think, same thing, put a logo on a car, car's going 260 kilometres an hour, you actually can't see it unless you're the main, you're the main logo. Or you're on the podium, uh, even though um, Renee Gracie, her brand is fantastic and we wish we actually could have kept going on with her. Um, with the Clipsal, that's a huge event. So they actually sell products, the product there. And Daniel noticed what wine they had in the past. He said, well, you know, why aren't you thinking about your value delivery? So he proposed to them having the, a premium Mario wine, which he, which he has in, um, which we've actually put into the Clipsal event. And, you know, with 75 different corporate um, stadiums there or facilities, the, um, the actual consumption of wine and beverages is quite huge. And in, in March, in Adelaide, everyone knows Mad March, they have um, a few different events, um, a cultural festival, WOMAD, um, uh, and also Clipsal. So it's just it's about three or four weeks of just craziness, and the town goes off. So it's a good way to stand out as well. Um, but the return on investment for that event, um, you're actually you're at least breaking even. And a lot of events you don't. And so you would actually you need... Um, excessive branding, you want to be on a global stage, well, here you get both. You're actually getting your return on investment actually in the sales and you're also getting the branding there as well. So, you know, we've got at least a three-year deal with them, if not to go longer, and, and it's, a, you know, it's an interest for Daniel Amadio and, uh, and it's worked for us in, in a big way in the first year. Do you know how the negotiations went through that? Um, no, it's usually through a relationship as well. Yep. Yes, Daniel attends it every year and uh, he's had it in their corporate facilities and like I said, he's been involved with sort of in a small capacity in the past. Yep. Um, so that would have been something, a relationship would have been built over numerous years. You've done a lot of negotiations for contracts when you're at Red Bull as well as doing up here on the Queensland yeah. with the PGA. What do you look for when you're negotiating? Obviously you're looking for fairness, mutual beneficial as far as partnerships, but what do you really go for? Um, it, well, that's multifaceted, really. Uh, there again, you want uh, your product. You want to see what they want to do with your product and if they actually really care about your product and getting it out there because they might have uh, 50,000, 20,000, 10,000. They might have their reach of their own com- um, customers and members who are maybe part of your target market uh, that you want to actually showcase or convey your brand to. Now, they assist you with that. Um, and that's what you're looking for. Now, that will eventually generate into, into sales, ultimately, being the bottom line, um, and building your brand equity. So it's not just to get there again about putting your logo up there and aligning yourself with a product that's really big. You actually want them to do a little bit further. Um, and we're seeing some, um, you know, some events um, that we're involved with. They're doing that. So they're the ones we'll keep on going with because we do want long-term relationships with all these, our business partners. What about on a local level? Um, on a local level, uh, I'm essentially started up with the Noosa Long Weekend Festival. Tell us about that. So that's um, one of the many festivals up in the Sunshine Coast. And, you know, you've got Surfing Festival, you've got the Food and Wine Festival, you've got triathlons, you name it. And so it's becoming a hub for a lot of sporting events and now starting a little bit with the cultural and food events. The thing, the reason we got involved with the Noosa Long Weekend Festival is identified that as um, a local event. Food and Wine Festival, the Noosa Food and Wine Festival is quite... Um, a lot of people come from Sydney, Melbourne, and interstate. Now, that's great for Sunshine Coast tourism, so they put a lot of money behind that because when people stay up there, they fill the rooms. And that's how they actually put their um, marketing dollars behind an event. A local event doesn't fill rooms because everyone goes back to their, their own home. So they don't get as much support from the actual local tourism. They do get some support, so um, I won't go and, and knock that too much. So they need to get um, volunteers, patrons that actually put money into it, and obviously... Sponsors Now, I identified that as instead of being a part of the Food and Wine Festival where you're one of 600 wines, another way to stand out, be an official wine for an event where you're just the only wine. So essentially you will stand out 
you're not competing with um, the visual pollution of all the other brands. Um, and in regards to that, it was something also uh, as a family philosophy to support a local event. So you're actually keeping that money in that community. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Have you found that um, by doing the local um, events, you're getting a lot more uh, leverage to do other local events? Are you getting more – you go into more doors because you are seen to be supporting local Oh, you'll always get people that all want you to get involved with certain events and we'll, we choose um, um, them very wisely and we're looking for those long-term uh, relationships. Yes, it does um, and it does stand out and it's obviously an event uh, in a month where there is no other event, so you do stand out as well. Um, but you're also giving an extra value delivery to them because they didn't have a wine sponsor for many, many years and it was just fortuitous that um, I met with the, the president, um, Joanne. She's the president of the Noosa Long Weekend Festival a few years ago, and we got chatting. It took her about a, you know, over a year to get in, to fully involved and integrated, but this is something like we're looking for a very long-term relationship with this, and it is growing. They've had The last few years have been absolutely fantastic, and they're looking at selling out again this year. Do you always look for a first rider refusal for more events to do with that particular party? Um, how do you work your longevity with your agreements? Do they work in 12 months, 24? How do you work them? Well, some you can do year to year. Um, we we nutted out what we both wanted. We weren't sure exactly what's going to happen in the next year and how, sex, how successful it's going to be. Um, but what you do is you're, if you try to evolve and, and increase each other's benefit, that's the thing, not just increasing your own benefit, increasing their benefit to their patrons and their members and their guests, then um, every year is going to get better and better. So we've got a three-year agreement with them, but then we've got the right of refusal to go for another three years or so forth, and that's what we look for. And so when it comes to the end of that three years, what will happen is if you grow and help grow an event and it becomes hugely more successful than it was, of course there's going to be other sponsors that want to come in there and kick you out. And that happens a lot on, I think, on an individual athlete level, on a grassroots level, where they're starting out, you've helped them, you uh, you know, when no one else wanted to help them, they get to a certain level, then, you know, you might not be able to pay more money. And then in comes, you know, a big established brand and they just throw money out and the new brand gets dropped. Just know that um, companies look at that now. So they want to look at loyalty. Loyalty is a huge thing. Great. And it's a way things are going too because people are not trusting of some of these big multinational companies. Um, they, they're actually purchasing from, you know, smaller boutique, family-owned. And you see that's a fastest-growing segment in so many different categories, whether it's, you know, craft beers, boutique wines, smaller events, um, local coffee um, uh, producers. People want to know where they're giving their money, um, and they, you know, they want to know that you care about them as well. And you, you'll find out you're getting better value as well. When have you had to walk away from a sponsorship or a relationship? Well, we had to walk away and without going in too much yeah, uh, from the PGA Championships um, uh, last year or yeah. the year, year before. So we didn't sponsor last year, and that was after you know, a good four or five years with them. Yeah. It's just the, um, the, I guess, the value of how you value your own event and what you're looking for. Um, it just wasn't exactly where we needed to be. Um, and that's not saying that the event's not a great event and it's not a great sport and the new sponsor's not doing well, but just for us, we have to sort of look at other, other avenues and we have to compare it to what else we are doing and what we need to see um, from our, from our um, business partners because that's what they are. Absolutely. Uh, I remember when you had Renee Gracie, she used to go up to Willow Bank and do some um, hot laps. That was a great act activation for your brand. Tell me what your clients got out of that. Um, well, they were, a lot of those clients already purchased from us. They, so they were our customers, um, our friends, actually, as a lot of our customers become. 
for them, it was actually giving them something back. A lot of these people liked racing. So they liked racing or they liked um, uh, golf. And in the hospitality industry, again, it is quite a male-dominated industry. And you'll find out a lot of blokes either like golf or racing. So when you got to drive in with Renee Gracie, um, you know, doing 220, 230Ks an hour around there, seeing something, what they really do. And these people were passionate about racing. So or they were just introduced to it. Now, if you don't like racing, it didn't do much for you, but there's a lot of people that did like that. So it was giving something a little bit extra back, which we could as part of our sponsorship, and it made their day. It did, and I remember Renee, she was um, absolutely fatigued at the end of that um, activation, and I remember she would have had about, what, 30 guests that she had to put through, and she, was she just kept going and going because she knew she was supporting the brand. Well, she was going from, and that's not just our group, it was all the sponsors. Uh, they would have anywhere from 12 to, to 20 or 30 um, guests, and she was going pretty much non-stop from 9 in the morning till 5 o'clock in the afternoon, lap after lap after lap. Everyone probably got about three or four laps and going at 220, 230 k's an hour. There was a limit on how fast she could go um, and also for her safety issue as well but it's exhausting it's pretty hot in there and um it's if, if it's the first time we've ever been in one of those hot laps especially with those porsches um they're an incredible motor vehicle um it's it is scarier or more exhilarating much of muchness um than any echo ride you've ever been on tell me about your experience with the um and you would know quite well as well yes coming into the first corner and the acceleration in this in the porsches um was incredible. You actually think you're going to smash into the first corner. You, you think there is no way you can even break, let alone go around a corner. But these vehicles just hugged the hugged the corner, went around, and she kept doing it all day long. And that was going at about eighty percent what her capacity was as well. What a day! I remember it really well. What about your clients when you actually went back in and serviced them? What was their reaction to you, to Amadio Wines putting that day on for them? I just gives a different. Um, um, view or um, creates a, a, a grander personality of what the brand is and more of yourself. I mean, you're part of it. Your product's part of it. What you do and act, do your activations within the retail or the restaurant, that's part of it. But when you're creating something that's greater that they actually are really interested in, it's a hobby that they like, or then it's just adding, you know, it's like an icing on the cake as well. You can't have that without doing the rest. And that's what we go back to. The original conversation was about having a good product being the integral, integral part of what you do, servicing, um, having that relationship, um, education on the product, and then let's do some exciting things at the end of it as well. So it's, it's multi-level. I agree totally. Uh, if someone's never tried a Mario Wines, uh, what are they going to experience when they first actually open the bottle and, and, and actually have the, the product for the first time? Tell me the experience they should feel. Well, I'd always say with wine, always choose something that you like choose a great friday that you like don't let anyone say to you you should be drinking this i hear this so much in this industry you should be drinking this no you should be drinking or drink something that you're going to enjoy so with amadio wines yes you know you're not going to have the headaches like you do with a lot of wines the next day um because of what we do with the how we make our wine but essentially wine is such a such a subjective thing so i can't tell you you're going to have an amazing experience if you don't like this particular grape variety or you like this particular style or a different style but i can tell you probably you know nine out of ten times you're going to say well this that was fantastic it was great value and that's what it is compared to another product at a similar price nine or eight out of ten times you're going to say well that is a better value for me 
you spent some time doing some um, sponsorship for the PGA on the Gold Coast. Tell me about those times. Well, those times are actually very uh, recent. So I've now been with the Mario Wines for about four and a half years. Um, essentially launched a brand, brand up here in Queensland. The family has been growing grapes since 1936. So big grape grower, um, three generations. This is third generation now at the helm as the winemaker. The father, uh, Casamaria, still looks after the overseas vineyard, 320 acres up there in northern Adelaide Hills in Kersbrook. Um, now... Getting involved with, with sponsorship is a way to obviously get your brand recognition out there for, um, you know, there's so many wines. It's even tougher than any, any drink sort of a category because wine's been established for hundreds of years. So how do you stand out? And I think the marketing part of it or the sponsorship part of it, that's just uh, a part of what we really do. A lot of it has to be has to start in the vineyard. It goes again to the product. You know, you know, full piece of marketing, which is your product, price, placement, and promotion. Yep. And a lot of people will f- focus on anything they do on the promotion, and then they'll go backwards onto how they're going to price it and where they place themselves, and the product might be the smallest bit. Well, here it again is focusing on the product, the integrity of the product. So if I use a word, and I'm going to use it probably consistently what we do, um, is that integrity of the brand. Um, now, how, how, how to stand out, it's really hard to stand out with thousands upon thousands of wines. So if we go back, we grow all our own grapes. In this day and age, um, a lot of people don't grow their grapes. They actually sell them. Um, they've sold their vineyards, and then they purchase those grapes back. So they've become winemakers, uh, wineries, but not so much the viticulture side of it. We do both. So we're doing the whole lot in that regards. We actually sell... Um, Grapes to about twenty of the some of the biggest wine companies in Australia, and that's the likes of Penfolds, Yolumba, Peter Lehman, Sepperfield, Bird in Hand, um, Mojo, Alta, and the list goes on. So you need good grapes to make good wine. So that's the product there again. So it's all done in the vineyard, um, you know, followed by dynamic practices. We keep the preservatives on a lower side, the additives to a minimum. Do all the good job in the um, in the vineyard. You can't make good wine from average grapes. All right, say someone doesn't know the Amadio brand. What's some of the dynamic components apart from that that you can bring to a new customer so they can transition onto at least giving it a try? Well, there again, it's the relationships as well. You're still going to knock on doors. Um, so you, if you don't have this part of it on the ground level, you can do all the marketing you want. You can put your logos out there and everything like that. People will give their product a go maybe um, or they'll get introduced to it at an event. But if the, if the product's not good, then essentially you've wasted your money. So you've got to have that right. Um, then you've got to get the distribution so you've got the product out there because then when you do do an event, people want to know where can we get the wine. And even in the early days in Red Bull, we had that issue where uh, we didn't have the enough distribution. We had the, started getting the brand awareness, but then people would um, look for the product, wouldn't find it. They would brand switch. And the same thing happens in the wine industry. And in the wine industry, there's so many other wines to choose from that are really good as well. And people won't leave five stores to you know, source it out. Obviously, you can always go to the website, look for where the stockets are, um, the stores come up, and you can direct yourself then. With, with the internet and everything these days, it's a lot easier to find where the product is. Um, but still, that's for us, being on that ground level, that's the integral part of what, what we do. Um, Daniel Mardia makes the wine, packages it. Um, I essentially, I'll get it into the restaurants, the bars, um, uh, the retailers, and so forth. Now, the marketing part of it is, is an addition or compliments to what we're doing in, the, in that regard. So we did do um, the PGA Championships, something uh, the Amadeo family, they're big fans of golf. It's a big part of what we do for our international market. Um, Daniel Amadeo was uh, 
one of the first wine companies to get into the Chinese market over a decade ago. I know a lot of companies now are really getting into the Chinese market, but back then it was really hard to navigate that pathway. Um, obviously, the laws are different. Um, it's quite difficult. You can't do business in China the way Australians do. You have to do business their way. And, um, yeah, you can't be a bully over there, essentially. Um, so it was very it was very new for Australians to do business there. Um, now we're looking at getting into or we're into India, Indonesia, and, you know, that's, that, that's a difficult road there as well. But we're looking at future markets. Now, with the international markets, something like the Asian market, they're huge with golf. They love the golf. The Mario family love their golf, so we're not choosing it. Um, a sport that we don't like. Right. So, um, and that way there's some integrity there as well with Love what it. we're doing. Um, we did the Australian uh, PGA Championships for, I think it's four or five years. And that's actually how I met the Amadia family when I was up at the Hyatt um, as their assimilia. Uh, we did the Australian Masters for about three years. Um, we've moved away from the professional side of golf. We're still involved with golf um, on a, uh, we have a brand ambassador, a professional golfer named Jason Hatton, who actually lives here on the Gold Coast. Nice. Um, and he goes on the um, plays over in China and New Zealand and so forth as well and represents our brand. We also then get involved on the club level um, uh, quite heavily up here in Queensland anyway. Clubs have their own um, issues. Uh, they have you know, their members and their costings and all these things that go on. And you have to actually try to understand their business. So it's not really just here dropping off boxes of whatever it might be. See you later. You actually got to care about what they, what they do and actually taking the time to understand their industry. And for the last three, four years, been you know learning about the golf industry it's it's quite complex in many different levels um and um the the general managers um they have a lot of uh yeah obstacles to overcome um golfing on a on a global scale is on a bit of a decline um you know the fast-paced life people don't have four or five hours a day and so you know every sport's competing for new members um and the cost of actually running a club is is astronomical i mean you're looking at probably, probably close to a million dollars on average a year to actually just maintain yep. the course yep. so caring about the business is actually the financial side of it so not just give them a wine where you're just swapping across go okay instead of that wine just have our wine because you like us more why do that at all you have to have something of a functional benefit or a benefit to them and whether the product is a better product and the same price or the products of equal quality or of a cheaper price. So it's all about that value delivery to them that they can then give to their end consumer. And that's essentially then when you're doing that, on that level, on that ground level, on an athlete level, on an event level, then you've sort of covered all those bases as well. I mean, our former Gold Coast rep uh, was a former um, professional golfer. He did the Canadian Tour for a couple of years as well, and he assisted us with understanding that industry too. So it's not just going, we're going to, throw, we're going to try something out, although that's essentially what you're doing. But if you're looking at the industry, why even choose, why choose something like golf? Um, look, uh, it's probably one of the only sports you can drink and play at the same time. Absolutely. So. What's your aspirations for the future, Alan? Um, this is more of a personal question for you. Just to stay passionate, to stay passionate with whatever I'm doing. And that's personally, professionally, um, in relationships, um, and you've got to give to, to receive in that regards. Um, obviously, work is a big part of our lives, and, and it has to be because of the financial sort of um, pressures we have, but it also um, gives us some direction, gives us relationships, um, and it can be quite exciting. And look, uh, we're essentially in the entertainment industry. Um, you know, our, our wine, food, um, sport, it's the entertainment industry as much as we might regard as a hospitality industry and so forth. So you have to keep excited about it. You can't, and you can't afford to do non-exciting marketing as well.
you know, there's there's a lot of events, whether it be a, a festival or an individual um, or a sporting event, they're always looking for sponsors. And the the traditional way of going, well, here's a logo, we're going to put it over here and put it over here and we want this kind of money, um, those days are dwindling and they're dwindling really, really fast. You've got to go out there and give a bit more to your um, to your actual sponsor. So I'd say really find out what their business is about. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people going out there and just um, – they're either too lazy or they're too busy to find out um, who their business partners are and what will actually benefit them. And this is a two-way street. If we look at getting an event, we're looking for all different opportunities, actually how to assist them, but also how it's going to assist us. It has to be mutually beneficial. That's that's relationships full stop. So really go out. And I've worked on both sides where we've um, sourced out um, sponsorship. Um, instead of just going, we're going, to, we're going to put your logo here. It's actually, we're going to put your product. What other opportunities you're looking for? And you're actually... You know, getting them to open their eyes and to think about sort of different ways to network. And that's people are doing a lot of that these days as well. But there's a lot of ways you can indirectly benefit somebody. So I would say just really find out and do the research to find out what that business, um, what their sort of bottom line is. I mean, in, in, in wine and in most companies, it'll be like selling your product. So for us, ultimately, we can't survive unless we sell some wine. But there's a lot of ways of going about that. That's our bottom line. So if you're going to say, well, we're going to do this and this for you, but it's not going to help us sell wine at all, well, that's not a benefit to us. So if we're not going to actually give a better value delivery what you're doing, it's not going to benefit you. So if you want to have a long-term relationship, you've got to benefit each other and think about those things in depth. I might just sit on that for a sec because that was absolute gold. All right. You're trying for a family now yourself, mate. What are you looking for mostly about becoming a father? Oh mate, it's, uh, this is a new, new, uh, a very new sort of um, a journey for me. Um, it's something that I've been spending a lot of my time in my life figuring myself out. So I haven't rushed into this. Haven't rushed into um, marriage. Haven't re- rushed into moving in uh, together with my now wife uh, or um, or having a child. And um, maybe you know a lot of guys can say that as well. They sort of take their time. It's not something on the agenda because we don't have that natural. Um, well, most of us don't have that sort of natural feel for it until we find somebody we really care about, and it becomes part of our it becomes part of our journey. And you can visualise it, and that's you know, in in a way, that's what uh, your partner will do will help you visualise that future, uh, because we generally generally don't. Well, I I haven't anyway. So um, now I do visualise it, and I take my time, and uh, but I'm running with it now, like a football under the arm, and uh, beautiful. Yeah. So who's your partner now? Uh, Julie. Yep. Yep. What's she do? Uh, she's a clinical psychologist. Yep. Uh, you've been married for how long now? About four years. Yeah. Wow. You've got a great future ahead of you. I always ask this to my guests, Alan. If you could place a phone call to yourself at the young age of 20, what advice would you give to yourself now? Just chill out. Just chill? Yeah. Just chill. Just chill and uh, and enjoy it. Actually, and not just um, live in live in the moment a lot more as opposed to thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow, next week, next year, um, having this future agenda all the time. Because if you really focus on, on the now and you give today your best effort, it'll, it'll snowball and tomorrow will be a great day, the next day will be a great day. And also, if today's not a good day, wipe it off. But then, you know, look at it. If, why is today not a good day? Did one incident happen 
that you now write off your day. And I see this all the time, but people go, oh, day wasn't good. So, well, what happened? Well, there was one little incident, okay? You had a little prank in your car. No one hurt, but you had a little prank in your car, had a really bad day. Well, I had a little prank in my car just recently in a car park. Um, won't go into that too much, but, you know, was, did I have a bad day? Not at all. I had a fantastic day. I had one bad in- incident, so I'm not going to carry that with me. So you can do that with everything in your life um, on a day-to-day basis, you know, and just think about that. If there's, if there's one moment that wasn't so good or two moments, put it in a percentage for your whole day. And you might find that 98% or 95% of the day was great. You had a good sleep. You had a good breakfast. Had a good kiss. Um, good drive to work. Okay, you didn't make that sale. Don't take that personally. But then you do make a good sale. Um, you have a good relationship. You come home. You hug your kid. Okay, so, you know, bill's coming in. Okay, that's not so great. But weigh it all up. Don't just judge your whole day or one thing and put that emphasis. We do focus a lot on the negative instead of going, well, you know, how important that is. So, you know, what are your priorities? And that's the thing. That's what it really comes down to. And, you know, what is your priority? And, Steve, what's your priority? Mate, that's very wise words. Um, if people want to find you, mate, where do they find you at Amadio Wines? What's your, what's your details? Just Alan at AmadioWines.com. That's A-L-L-A-N at AmadioWines.com, yeah. Very wise words. We really appreciate your time and we wish you well. Um, thanks so much for the money and Yeah, thank you, Steve. Appreciate it.